Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Slightly Above Podcast, all things automotive. Once again, I have Josh Blick with me. Hello, Josh. Hello. How are things today, sir? Things are okay. I see that you are um, sheltered in place. Um, this is sort of the way we're going to do things now. Um, I've been kind of holed up in, in the East Bay here and Josh is in the South Bay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, all things considering, uh, things are okay. I haven't left my house in about two weeks. Yep. I think it's almost. I don't um, really know, actually. So I don't really know how things are. Yeah, right. well, I guess if if you're looking at just the grocery store in your own house, then that's kind of what you're seeing these days, right? That's all I'm seeing, actually. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally watching the grass grow outside my window, right? I this, can I can tell. This kind of reminds me, like when I was younger, and maybe it was just that we didn't have a lot of money, but we would spend a lot of time at home, like doing things, like listening to music or playing outside and things like that. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Like, you know, no restaurants, no going out, no traveling. It's, it's been an interesting month and I'm kind of, I guess I'm adapting to it. Okay. Yeah. I would say the same thing. I mean, we're, we spend a lot of time, uh, talking about what's for dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, and, uh, thing, yeah, things have slowed down just in terms of the, the schedule in the daily life. I'm still doing a lot of the same things I was before just it's everything's just moving a little slower probably because we don't leave the house it's like back to basics like food right then maybe going for a walk you know (laughs) like these really basic things are like part part of our normal day but i mean in some ways it's good um in some ways it's massively affecting things and i think people are here to listen to us talk about automotive right so so let's kind of quickly um transition (laughs) into that um so you know one thing one question that i had for you you know is it okay to drive yeah. You know, what if so. you, I mean, uh, this weekend I was so, I was going a little stir crazy and my dad, who's elderly, who's like, you know, in his seventies, he needs some supplies. So once a week I take him some supplies, but I decided this time to kind of extend my drive a little bit just to be out for a little bit longer. And I was thinking in the back of my head, like, what's my story in case I get pulled over? That's like what it's come to for me. Like, I'm like, what happens you're, if I get you're pulled taking, uh, You're taking critical medicines to an elderly parent. Yeah, but, That's you know, I, I'm not on my direct yeah. route, though, so I, I feel like I'm being a little bit disingenuous with my story. But <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's kind of a weird feeling that I'm, you know, experiencing, I guess. But on this drive, um, I'm driving down the 880 corridor, which is in the Bay Area, and I see Tesla, uh, the, the headquarters, the factory right on my left-hand side. Um, and then I see right... Going beyond that, I, I see um, Thermo Fisher, the scientific, the biotech and scientific and medical supply, not their headquarters, but they have like a, um, a facility down there. And I was just thinking, you know, what I've seen in the past couple of weeks is that big business is really stepping up um, and producing like, you know, these PPE and masks and things like that for the for the medical um, industry and for hospitals. So I think that's big. That's the big news, especially in automotive like Ford. And these other companies are really stepping up and kind of, you know, almost like in World War One or World War Two, where they also stepped up. They're stepping up big time for this uh, COVID crisis. Yeah, I think Ford is making uh, masks. They're also making the gown uh, for medical personnel out of the airbag material, I've, I've heard. And GM, GM, I think, is producing the most stuff in terms of uh, personal protection equipment. Um you know, a funny, funny thing is Tesla. I don't actually know what they're producing. I, I know that that guy, your favorite podcast character, Elon Musk. <laughs> don't he, say his he name. He actually had all this controversy. He bought all these ventilators from somewhere, 
and he delivered them sort of in a hero's move. Right. And everyone was celebrating him. And then they then they found out that none of those ventilators have been used whatsoever at any hospital because they were the wrong ones or right. You know, there was some issue with them. So, you know, he's coming off kind of looking like a chump a little bit, but um, you know, it's new I would cycle. say if new you look at Tesla, their yeah, the Tesla market is going crazy in the the world of uh, the stock market. They're considered to be like a blue chip at this point. I have right? seen, and we'll get into some of that stuff, like the macroeconomic kind of situation, a little bit. The other thing that I want to talk about in big business was we saw also the Apple and Google are kind of stepping up, but they're stepping up in a way they're bringing technology, but maybe you know not the greatest way. They're talking about tracking people. And we had a yeah. we we touched on this I think a little bit last week you and I Josh where this had happened or, or a similar thing happened around the time of nine eleven right where where they basically had the war on terror, and they were kind of tracking phones and tracking phone calls and tracking text text messages, um and it was kind of a big deal, um it was a huge deal um and maybe it did some good but also they kept it going, you know afterwards and I don't know your feelings about being tracked by Google and Apple. How does that sound to you? I'm fine with it for now. I mean, if 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 there is no health department that can actively trace and contact trace this COVID situation um, in the next four months, which seems likely, then if someone else has a a technology solution to to help out there, I'm all because I think you need that. The biggest concern that I have is much like the last time that we went down this privacy road. And I feel the same way, by the way, I'll say that, you know, for the greater good, you have to give up some privacy, some of your privacy during times of crisis or during other times. However, you know, when it comes time to turn these things off, oftentimes that doesn't happen, right? It becomes a new normal and it becomes just accepted after the crisis is over. Yeah, I mean, I'm not for being there long term. But the truth is, they already track everything you do. Yeah, just maybe not. <laughs> you know they're not sharing mean? it with the government, but they may be tracking it, right? So that, yeah, that, they, that they know they they know what kind of cereal you like and right. all this all this other stuff, right? So right. why not tell you if you're in in close quarters with someone who has um, coronavirus? Yeah, a fair point. Okay, let's transition yeah. a little bit. Um, I believe that you have some data around the used vehicle sales and what's happening on the used side. Did you want to talk a little bit about that for for our audience? Yeah, I mean, there's so much, there's so much information that's flowing. It's just hard to even keep track of it. Um, you know, obviously the new car sales are down a lot, and you know, but what's even more impactful than new car sales dropping is, you know, what's happening now. I've been reading is that used cars that are normally going to auction are not being auctioned. So you're having a, a pretty big freeze in the the mechanism that powers the used vehicle industry and things are kind of at a standstill, which basically means that you're going to have cars piling up in different areas, in the dealerships, in um, all these different auctions, which is ultimately going to drive the price down of used vehicles, which is going to create all sorts of issues for banks and other financial institutions and dealers uh, who, who have built a business on carefully pricing the the write down and the different valuations of these used cars and the used vehicles. So and do you believe that this is a short term kind of bump in the road or do you believe this is going to be, you know, what's the time frame here? I think it's going to be a long term effect. 
Um, so that is, this is kind of one of the um, the casualties, so to speak, or the the collateral damage of this this shutdown of the economy um, that isn't really being talked about, you know, in the mainstream economic world. It's sort of I think a lot of people know about it in the dealership automotive space, but we're talking about it because it will have a major impact uh, ultimately. And then, you know, the other the other component of this is the um, the credit crisis, right? People stopping payment on their car loans. Right. Um, sure. So just we're talking about, you know, all sorts of different people who are going to stop paying on the car loans at some point. And um, is it, I mean, is it a, sort of a holiday, like a holiday situation? And, you know, ultimately because of big business and because of government that it's, it's almost like mortgage or like this payroll stimulus stuff where they want these people back in the loans and they, they don't want to lose, you know, they don't want the lo- loans to go, um, to go dead or be written off as bad debt. So they're going to figure out a way to have, give a holiday. Is that your I thought? haven't heard about the holiday yet from the banks. Yeah. Um, you know, like bank of America, whoever, a lot of the people that are writing a lot of the, the paper for loans, I've, I haven't heard about it. Um, well, you have to I know imagine subprime, that. subprime already was a problem before we even had the COVID crisis. So that's, yeah. you know, for me, there's so many different things that are going on that are problematic. It's hard to even put your, wrap your head hands around it, using right? like um, the the mortgage crisis the 2008 thing and, and seeing how the banks were reticent to you know to foreclose on some of those properties because they didn't want to have it written down to bad debt it may yeah. become a similar situation where some of the banks are floating people over some months to kind of get back onto their feet i don't know we'll, we'll have to see yeah. that play out I mean, it's very concerning for me because this, you know, the automotive industry is basically my family and I know you feel the same way. So, you know, before this crisis happened, there was already this subprime, you know, lending issue was already there. It was just sort of not a major issue because everything, so many things were going well um, that that issue was not, you know, an existential threat. right? Right, right. Whereas now when things are not going well, then it sort of becomes this, you know, kicking somebody when they're down essentially. And it's like one of a thousand different things, right? That this, this black swan event kind of brings to the surface, like depending on what industry you're in, there's going to be like, you know, 10, 20 or hundreds of these different little gotchas that are popping up that people, you know, never, it was unfathomable that this situation was happened. So there's no plan for it. Right. Well, you know, we've gone from, you know, our podcast was, if you, if you listen to all the prior episodes, we were talking about, you know, the need for dealers to move to a digital retailing platform. We were talking a, lo- a lot about the transformation to electric vehicle, um, you know, and we were, we were talking a lot about these big transformations that were happening in our industry. And we thought they were happening very quickly. And the funny thing is that now instead of talking about, you know, hey, a dealership better do this in the next year or two, which... I thought was pretty quick time frame. Now we're talking about 30 to 60 days. They need to do it in 30 to 60 days, right? Right. Well, so and it's, you know, come a long way. And I'll tell, I'll touch on that a little bit. Like the P look at, look at the pizza commercials that you're seeing on, on television now. I mean, they're, they're, they've already adapted and they've already said like, Hey, we're, we're cooking this pizza to 500 degrees and we're putting a seal on the box. And then when you pay, you don't have to talk to our driver or, or um, interact with our delivery person at all. It's like a no touch situation for your pizza. So 
they figured out a way to, you know, keep retail going. And they're kind of, they were kind of built already. Some of them with apps already, right. And the way that they deliver and their concierge service of pizza, right. They're kind of like, they're, they've, they're already there. Right. So they're, yeah. they're, they're, they may be thriving in this situation, but it, it's sort of a wake up call for the dealers to kind of get there sooner. Well, they're built on convenience, right? So like fast food places that have a fast food window, delivery services. Um, I mean, that's why Tesla is doing so well is because they have a delivery service where they bring you the car, they do concierge service. So anyone who's in that, you know, convenience mode for the consumer is going to do well. And people who are, you know, industries or companies that are you know, in a labor intensive, you have to go somewhere for three or four hours to do a job or buy a car, for example, those places are going to struggle. And I know we're taking this pretty far away from used vehicle sales, but I would just yeah. pause this question to you because we talked about digital retailing a lot on our podcast and the timing of things though, because we're in a situation where business is massively down, like in an unprecedented way, Right. Do you really want to get in there and go all in on it, like trying to bring digital retailing online at your dealership or dealership group? Is that a wise decision now or you know, is it a better time now because things are stopped and you can spend the time training and re rebuilding some of your systems from the ground up? What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I, th I think if, it, if you're a dealer and you haven't done anything in the world of digital retailing, the first thing you need to know is that it's not a, you don't just need to pick a technology and then suddenly you flip a switch and it's all digital retailing and it works. You have to probably, you know, dispose of, of that notion. Um, but if you're, if you're all in and your leadership is willing to make the, do the hard work to transform the culture at the dealership, and that's probably the most important component of it is the culture change um, to, to changing all of your employees' habits about, you know, existing online. And when, when a cu customer comes in from the online world to the physical space to transfer that, that, that customer's ticket or their, what they've been doing online seamlessly into the, the dealership. Uh, if they're, if they're willing to do all of those things and retrain their people, then I say they should do it because it's the future. I, I and I think that's good. I, my, my big thing is, you know, why not also maybe at the same time or even firstly spend your dollars and spend your time looking at the no touch service model Yeah. where you can you know, interact, yeah. transact and perform the service um, in a way that people feel safe given the times that we're in. So and I think that, you know, that way you've got and you've you're already open for business right in the service side. So, you know, what you need is you need a way to entice the folks to leave their house and get things that they need to have done and they need to have their cars serviced. Yeah. There's a company, um, red is a red cap. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Red, red cap. cap. And yep. they're part of, um, I think what, Vista, what? Vista bought them a year and a half Vista, ago. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Vista equity partners that, I mean, that's just a great example. Those guys, those, those guys are transforming the concierge service for dealerships across the country. I, I know the founder, his name was Ken Height or Ken Hittite. I'm not sure the pronunciation. Ken Hite, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that, I mean, that's something I would look into. Um, obviously the, the digital retailing, like I mentioned before, is not an overnight thing, but I would say there's no real reason not to start moving in that direction. In my opinion. 
Good. All right. Well, let's transition a little bit again. Um, You know, I've been looking at LinkedIn. That's what I do most mornings. That's kind of my morning routine to spend 30 minutes or 15 minutes kind of looking through the post. What I'm seeing a lot, a lot of experts who are sharing infographics about the CARES Act and about the payroll, um, not payroll, is it payroll protection plan? Is that what, what, what is it? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, the payroll protection program. Or program, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so all all these these different government stimulus packages that are, you know, geared towards small business, which potentially could be your dealership. Um, But what's striking to me is that it's just the number of different infographics. And I love I love to look at infographics. It's like a it's like a hobby of mine a little bit. Um, And I, I go through each one of them in detail and I read all the little things and I look at to where all the arrows are pointing. But the thing is, they're all the same. You know, for the most part, right? You could, I guess, in the time that I spent reading all those infographics, I probably could have read the whole act. <laughs> it probably would have been better just to read the whole act uh, from from cover sheet to end sheet. But I mean, I guess the real challenge is like getting it done, right? Because understanding it is one thing, and it seems like the folks have shared enough detail that you can understand what you need to do to qualify and who can qualify. But the act of getting it done, and I'll tell a little story, like back in my younger days, you know, back, and I'll date myself a little bit as well and say that the internet wasn't really a thing. And when I was leaving college, I spent like a few months on unemployment and I went down to the office one day and I basically never went back. So I never really got unemployment because the process itself was seemingly much more difficult than the idea that I could get, you know, get the unemployment benefit. So you've been doing it. We actually um, lost about 20% of our clients. We run a small business, Innovate On Demand, and we had kind of some stoppage from some of our clients. So we've been actually kind of going through the process. Can you talk a little bit about the audience, not about you know how they qualify or, or what the actual things are, because I think that's pretty clear on the internet, but what the process is like? I mean, for me, it was pretty confusing. Um, the first mistake we made is we, we, we reached out to a bank that we don't normally bank with that I heard was processing, uh, these PPP loans, Mm -hmm. um, that was actively processing. And they basically just told me, you know, Hey, you're not, you know, you don't, you don't bank with us in terms of your business account. And therefore you need to go talk to your existing uh, bank that you do business with for your company. So that was number one. And then when I went over to that bank that we do business with, um, it was a, probably about six days after the program went live, um, which is a, which was late last week. And basically they said, you know, hey, we're not doing anything right now because we don't have the proper forms and we're not right. able to process anything. I heard that the and day before that, in, just really quickly, I heard the day before that Friday that on Thursday night they were actually making the forms and making the policy. And it was such a sort of uh, clusterfuck, I guess you will, yeah. that the, the bank, the people who are doing these loans, first of all, it's not really, you know, it doesn't benefit the bank very much to put themselves in this situation. And then secondly, just the, you know, the actual process of how to do such a loan, they didn't even have the people or the know-how to do it. So it was, it was a bad situation from the start, right? Yeah. And then they're also checking your credit and um, all these things. So I heard that I, some I of the like banks... There's, there's a few blockers that are out there that you have to jump over some hurdles. But I read that some of the banks were sort of saying like, and you have to have a, our credit card, right? And some other things. And then they backed off of that, but they were basically adding some things that the government didn't have in their, you know, in their, um, 
in their list of requirements. Yeah. Well, they're being banks, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the problem is they're, they're banks. Right. Um, but you know, we did apply and we're waiting. So having, you know, all the, the difficult rollouts and whatnot, I feel like, you know, we have to kind of wait and see and, um, you know, okay. It was bumbling for about 10 days or so, but we'll, we'll see what happens here. I guess, you know, what's interesting is we're, we're okay. You know, we've ran the business in an okay way. We have cash in the bank to last us a little bit of time. Right. But for other businesses who, you know, they're running, I think I read somewhere that restaurants were running like, you know, a week or two of cash that if they pass a week or two, they're pretty much out of business. They can't pay their employees. Right. So yeah. it doesn't hurt us as much to wait a week or wait, wait a month or even two months. Um, however, I guess the problem here is that from a macro perspective, when you're looking at the stock market and you're looking at, you know, the folks who are talking, the talking heads about government, they're saying like, great, we've got this stimulus. We've, we're doing all this to help everyone. But the fact of the matter is the process may be a little bit broken and it may be there may be a lot of people who are suffering because they can't have access to the funds in the time that they need it. Yeah, I think the stimulus bill was you know, the money that's designated for small business was the process was written and created by big business. Right. Right. So that's, you know, and I think I, I read a statistic this morning that you know, basically around they did a poll of all these small business businesses in the U.S., and about a third of them uh, basically said they're going to go out of business at the end of the month if they don't get the assistance from the government right. or you know, things don't change. That, that, that's really kind of scary, right? That's 33%. Um, and that's only two weeks from now. So I think the stakes are pretty high in terms of the process and them getting it right. Um, and that's you – know, and then another issue is that you know, a lot of the small businesses – they have a lot of other expenses besides payroll and rent. Right. So, you know, that that's where the construction of this um, plan, this PPP may not, may not be uh, as, as much of a, uh, you know, Hercules as people think it is. So and maybe the first step of many steps for some people. Yeah. But right. I mean, the thing is the, the small business economy doesn't have a lot of time for them to kind of figure their way through this. So that's really the concern. I think a lot of people have and who are looking at the small business economy, not yeah. the JP Morgan's of and the world, right? Last thing I'll say, and this maybe is not for the audience of our podcast, but we're, you know, we're in a good place because financially we're okay with the business, the way we run the business. And also the fact that our whole business model is based on remote work, right? So yeah. in that case, it's good. But if you're a restaurant or another type of business where retail and in-person um, transaction is, is the way of your business. You're, you're just in a tough place where there's no real end. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the challenge there. You want to transition a little bit. You had um, given me some information about what's going on um, in terms of kind of the numbers that are coming out of Wuhan. Yeah. I mean, so it's right now it's pretty doom and gloom here. In states. Um, I mean, there are some States that are a lot of States actually, you can sell vehicles in the showroom and, and and then there's other states where you cannot right and that you know most states they have a, a rule basically saying hey if it's an online sale which is a frictionless sale where you, they deliver the car to you then it's okay but as you know most dealers aren't doing that right it's a it's a tiny fraction of dealers who are ready for that so there's a little so, gray gray area there in the way they're conducting the transaction 
Yeah. So I mean, we're still we're still in a pretty big um, sales you know trough here, and that's just the capability of dealers in the U.S. to sell. the 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 number of consumers who are going to you know decide not to buy a car during this month or or May or June that that's a whole separate issue, which is a demand trough. Because um, usually in times of crisis, people don't necessarily want to make large scale purchases, right? Um, although one thing I'll, I'll point out is that, you know, I, I think I mentioned in the last pod, podcast that I bought a car uh, two weeks ago. Yep. And, you know, I don't know if this is really publicly known out there, but, you know, groups like Ford and GM are offering three to six months of, you know, payment holidays if you buy a car. Mm. Yep. Um, you, you still are basically paying the money at some point. So they're not really, you know, it's not free money. But, you know, if you have an existing car and you trade it in and you get a new car and you don't have to make any payments for three to six months, that's kind of like a payment holiday. Do you remember the, way this, the mortgages are doing that? This the banks thing, are doing it Josh, it was cash for clunkers. And it was like this huge impetus for like the used vehicle market to make sales because the government had come out with this program to get um, older vehicles off the road. Remember this? Yeah, I do. So it seems like, you know, using something like that where the government or not the government, excuse me, but the OEMs are, you know, instituting programs to give people sort of a loan holiday or a way to get their vehicle now and pay later. Potentially, if the dealers could piggyback some way on that system and offer something else in addition to, right, like their their own type type of rebate or something, uh, maybe it, it convinces people that like now's the time because as a consumer, right, you're looking for a few different things, but typically you're saying like, is there a deal that I can get now that I can't get later? And yeah. that, that may, that may push the tide to bring in some more sales, you know, cause anything, any sales matter at this point. Right. Yeah. You know, and Ford is already doing it. So right. some of these manufacturers, I know GM is doing it too. They're already doing it. I just don't know if the message is getting out there on the air. Like for example, when I'm watching TV right, and I see a car commercial, a car dealer commercial, or, or you know, a Toyota commercial, I, I'm kind of tuning it out a little bit, right? Yeah, um, that, you know, but, that was my point about the pizzas is they've transitioned. They're not showing their old commercials about someone being happy having a pizza. It's all about like, right. it's all about the situation. So dealers, if you're spending money on marketing and you're still putting money on air, or, you know, internet or radio um, in some way, maybe change the message a little bit to offer a deal that they can get now that potentially they can't have in the future. Yeah, you know, for example, right now everyone's talking about expense relief, right? And reduction of expenses and you know, the idea that you can reduce your costs for your vehicle that you're currently paying a monthly payment for, you know, by buying a new one, that's kind of a counterintuitive move, but it actually makes a lot of sense if you don't have to pay for 6 months. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's it's sort of like, you know, booking a cruise right now for 2 years out or something like that, right? Where you can get yeah you know, five times the value for your money because they'll take anything, right? Yeah. They'll make any deal right now. So sometimes timing can be important. Um, in all well, you know, this. you asked me, so you asked me, I, I think I mentioned all that stuff in relation to your Wuhan question. Correct. And correct. As I was saying, you know, in a long winded way, which is things are bad here, but in Wuhan, they also shut things down for several months. I think it was three months. They shut down that whole province. Right. Um, Actually, Wuhan's a city, right? So it's in the Hubei province. That is all correct, yes. We don't need to go into <laughs> geography, right? But the, in in, uh, in Wuhan, they shut everything down. And three months went by. The sales plummeted 90%, which is, 
I think a lot worse than it is here in the U.S. Right. Because they literally couldn't do anything or go anywhere. Um, now things have opened. They've been open now for about two weeks. And the early reports are that, you know, there are a lot of pent up demand car sales that are going on, which was predicted. And things have gone, you know, from 90 percent down to maybe about 30 percent down which is a pretty remarkable uh, turnaround. And, and that's some of the early numbers out of Wuhan. Um, so that could give some level of um, hope for yeah, American dealers. I think so. Future. And I saw an article talking about the supply chain and how there were some doom and gloom, you know, just in general, there were some specifics there, but I'll just say in general, um, there were some doom and gloom about the supply chain and how things get started again and that it was going to take long a longer term because the supply chain was completely destroyed. Um, however, some of the data in that article was pointing to a more um, hopeful future as well, a quicker turnaround as well on that side. So there's a lot, yeah. that's, that's the good news in all of this is that if, you know, and if we trust the data out of China, firstly, I'll say, but if yeah. it's, if it's true um, that the turnaround can be um, swift in certain yeah, what ways. was the name? What was the name of that? Um, basically, the Chinese Starbucks. Yeah, I forgot the name, but they were. Um, yeah, what was it? Luckin, Lucan, or Luckin? Yeah, it was interesting story. Yeah, their their interesting CFO story. came out and basically said, you know, hey, we've been uh, for sales for several years. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of like an Enron scenario. Yeah. For, so I mean, for the the industry, right? Correct. So it's yeah. it's so we'll we'll take those numbers and and some of that data with a grain of salt. However, you know, you, I think you said it, and this is related to um, Starbucks and the coffee industry. When Starbucks is saying they're opening their stores in China and in Wuhan, um, it's hard not to trust them, right? So, you yeah. Know. And, and I've, I've, so the anecdotal evidence is that there is a large return to demand for, for cars and vehicles. Um, it's not, you know, a straight shot up to 100% demand. Right. It's not that. Right. There are people are still people are still going to be very cautious and conservative in this time because, you know, this is a new thing. And I think in the U.S., you also have to have that cautious optimism that, you know, people are going to buy cars, people who put off purchases, they are going to come back and buy them. But it's not it's not a return to business as people may think it will be, you know, in, immediately. Completely understood. Hey, Josh, we're getting towards the end of this. I'd like to do about 20, 25, 30 minutes. Um, do you have anything last minute that you'd like to like to share for this week's episode? No, um, I don't. <laughs> I would say if I were to add anything, I'd say that the other thing that I've seen on LinkedIn is all these live talks like Facebook Live and LinkedIn Live and seeing expert panels going up and giving lots of really good advice um, to folks, to dealers especially. Um, during the crisis. So, you know, kudos to all the people who are doing that with their time. They're kind of giving back. And the best stories are those stories where people aren't asking for something in return, right? Where they're just basically using their time to try to give back and try to help out dealers who are struggling. Um, and they're not asking, they're not trying to sell a product. So it's, that's really good to see. And that, that makes me happy. Yeah. When times are tough and things are, take a really huge nosedive, you know, you know, service is important and, and people who are giving back and providing service to, to the dealers and to the community in general. That's, that's what people remember. Uh, they, they don't, they don't want to see someone taking advantage 
of their misfortune. Right? That people, yeah. unfortunately, also remember that kind of you know carpet bagging uh, style situation. And there are those companies and people out there, right, uh, who are doing that. And it's 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 quite you know annoying. Look at the guy who filled up his garage with. Uh, hand right. sanitizer. Correct. I mean, everyone saw that guy. Right. And I think, you know, one, one thing that I'll mention for the audience, they've made it to the end here and they may be wondering, you know, we, we were typically doing before this um, crisis kind of in-depth technical and industry analysis about the automotive industry. And we sort of put a pause to that just because, you know, the industry itself is kind of on pause. And we felt that it was more important to talk about the things that are maybe in front of the dealer right now versus things that we were talking about, which were big changes and technologies that were gonna impact this industry over the next year or two, right? So our focus has also shifted during this time. Yep. And I think the last thing I'll say, you know, is another, a whole nother slant for that giving back is, you know, I'm at home sitting here with my family and I, I know a lot about the auto industry, but no one really wants to hear, <laughs> no one really wants to hear me talk about the auto industry while I'm at home. So maybe these folks who are on the panels, right, and doing these expert live, Facebook live things, maybe they just need an outlet for that information that they have and they want someone to actually listen to what they have to say versus like, I've heard, I don't know the famous comedian who said it, but basically they asked him if he, you know, ever tried out his material on his family. And he would say like, hell no, because they don't find anything that I do entertaining, funny, or even they, they don't even want to like listen to me. So it's, it's a terrible barometer. So maybe, you know, some people are just looking for an outlet to get some of their expertise out there and, and doing this. Um, we're actually doing the video today as well, because kind of seeing each other, seeing our faces, we aren't, we aren't able to get together anymore, but it, it all helps. So hopefully this podcast helps you. Um, pass some time and, and get some insights and thank you so much we'll talk to you guys next week yeah, stay safe out there everyone cheers bye bye <laughs>